Welcome to 15 Minutes on the Way, Season 8, Into Exile. If you're a first-time listener, you really owe it to yourself to start at the beginning. You can find Episode 1 of Season 1 easily at 15minutesontheway.com. Otherwise, if you're already on the way with us, welcome back. I've missed you, friend. Here is today's story. As we mentioned at the end of last week's episode, at this point in our survey, it's been six years since we checked in on Josiah. And now that he's in the 18th year of his reign, remember he started at age eight, and you're a math whiz, so you know how old he is when Josiah begins the next phase of his reforms. He is again, like Hezekiah, following good cognitive behavioral recovery methods long before anyone knows how to make them sound so fancy. In the early part of his reign, he has gotten rid of the bad stuff and done away with the high places, sacred poles, and idols in their various forms. One must not only stop doing the damaging things, though, the good and healthy must be established to replace the bad if there is going to be any lasting good and healing. Thus begins Josiah's deservedly famous replacement stage, and he begins with our temple. Not that he replaces it, but it has been ignored and forlorn for many years. Whatever turn of heart Manasseh may have had, it didn't quite get him back to the temple. Six decades worth of dust since Hezekiah has accumulated in the place, and time has been working away at everything. Josiah's first steps in restoring life to my house is to launch a capital campaign, sending Levites throughout the land to collect funds. Second Chronicles 34.9 Since the rightful flow of temple upkeep revenue, as directed in Exodus 30.11, dried up decades ago. This surge of resources secures the contractors, carpenters, and masons necessary to restore the neglected ruin to its regal template. We could spend a great deal of time at this point applying the concept of prioritization of funds to your life, for where your money is spent speaks volumes of where your heart lies. For now, at least note that unless you are intentional about setting priorities with your spending and including us in it, you will end up with nothing directed toward that which matters most. Rewind ten seconds and listen to that again. Hilkiah is the high priest at the time, and as the refit is getting started, he does a survey of the whole place to ascertain in part just how much has to be done where. Now, there are many different storage rooms as part of the temple complex, strategically located in different areas so that an enemy can think they've looted the temple's entire treasury when, in fact, they've only taken a portion. This has happened a time or two across the years and explains why there always seems to be more treasure left in the temple somewhere after someone's carried it off. And so it is that one day, as he reaches the furthest and farthest nondescript door deep in the bowels of the temple, where the only footprints in the floor's thick dust are his own, Hilkiah makes a double discovery. First is a chest, 
a money chest holding the untouched and forgotten upkeep cash from days gone by. Then the light of his torch flickers on something in the corner. There are piles of stuff here and there throughout the place, as nothing like a hezekiahical systematic cleaning has hit this remote room yet. When he looks more closely, he sees the carved end of a wooden pole sticking out from under a nondescript heap. Stepping closer and moving things aside, he discovers that what caught his eye at first was the end of an etzhayim, the Hebrew term both for the tree of life and for the poles around which the Torah, our law, is wound. Find that connection in Proverbs 3, 13 to 18. Hilkiah practically drops his torch in excitement. The money, of course, is welcome, and is lumped into the larger pool of funds more recently collected for the renewal project. The scroll, though, is far more precious. Hilkiah gives it to the king's secretary, Shaphan, who reports the two finds to Josiah, indicating that the money found has been directed to the contractors. Then Shaphan offers to read aloud the discovered book. Remember, in Josiah's habitat, a book is a scroll. A scroll is a book, not the codex-bound stack of sheets that form your analog books. Not yet knowing that a national treasure lies within his secretary's hands, Josiah assents and listens and despairs. You see, from how Hilkiah refers to it, the book of the law, 2 Kings 22.8, 2 Chronicles 34.15. From how Hilkiah refers to it and from what the king does in reaction to what he hears, it's a pretty good guess that the scroll Hilkiah's found and that Josiah's just heard read is the book of Deuteronomy. For one thing, none of the four books preceding it ever refer to themselves as the book of the law whereas Deuteronomy does claim that title for itself in Deuteronomy 28:58 and 61, with similar authoritative self-descriptions in 17:18 and 29:20. Covenant, blessing, consequences, festivals, tithes, worship, warnings, curses, a public reading of the law every seven years, a veritable catalog of things we have commanded our people for their own good that have been forgotten and faded even from thought because of the neglect of prior generations. Go ahead and page through Deuteronomy again. It's been a while since we walked through it together. Imagine Josiah's hearing Deuteronomy 29:10 through 29, realizing just how badly his people have been blowing it realizing just how completely they have betrayed me and have set themselves up for curse and consequence. Like any perspicacious, soft-hearted Hebrew of his habitat, Josiah's immediate reaction is to tear rips down his clothes, seen earlier with Hezekiah and his envoys in their own moment of devastation, and to call for help from a prophet to inquire of Yahweh about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is Yahweh's anger that is poured out on us, because those who have gone before us have not kept the word of Yahweh. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written in this book. 2 Chronicles 34.20, 2 Kings 22.12 
Though Jeremiah is certainly active at this time, he's not handy for some reason, and so High Priest Hilkiah goes to the prophetess Huldah for a word for us. Yet another woman totally aligned with and speaking for us in a man's habitat. Think of Deborah, the judge. She's not working on her prophetic written memoirs like Jeremiah and the others, but she's no less a prophet in her connection to me. Thus, her reply to Josiah is ours. It's as bad as it sounds. Josiah has correctly understood the words of our covenant with Israel in that the people's failure to abide by that covenant requires the penalties outlined therein. There is but one ray of hope in Huldah's word for Josiah. Because of his humble penitence upon hearing our words in our book, his eyes will not see the fruits of Israel's infidelity. Consequence must come, but will arrive after we have gathered him to his ancestors. Read Huldah's crucial moment in the Abra plan, 2 Kings 22.14, Second Chronicles 34.22 It is to Josiah's further credit that when our reply via Huldah reaches him, Josiah's reaction is not one of relief that he will be spared, uncharacteristic for Hezekiah, but right there in him. Josiah's reaction is not one of relief that he will be spared, but rather one of stepping onto the way as quickly and fully as possible and bringing as many of our children with him that he can. He gathers all the people from the least to the greatest to our house and reads for them himself the new-found scroll. With its words ringing in their ears, Josiah renews the covenant with me, promising to keep my commandments with all his heart and all his soul, having all the people join in pledge to walk with me again. Kings has all the people join the covenant, while the chronicler sums it all up with practically a bow on top, saying that all Jerusalem walked on the way from that point forward, and that Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all the territory belonging to the Israelites, concluding that for the rest of Josiah's life, the people did not fail to follow me. 2 Kings 23.3, Chronicles 34.32 the writer of Kings, however, wants you to know just how bad things have gotten along with just how far Josiah personally goes in writing them. And so Kings outlines what amounts to a hall of shame in detailing the purging of the things which the chronicler categorizes generally as abominations. The specific Hebrew word for the detestable idols in 2 Chronicles 34-33. Kings brings out for the temple and burns the vessels made for all the host of heaven, Baal and Asherah, whose worship pole is in there again, too. Also brought to an end are temple prostitution and child sacrifice, along with all the high places throughout Jerusalem and Judah. Josiah's decontamination reaches its peak on both levels when he and his team travel north to the former kingdom, pulling down at high Bethel the altar with which Jeroboam began the great split, now devoted to Asherah, leaving it all as dust and ashes. 2 Kings 23.1, which, if you read it for yourself in Tom, seems to delight in gruesome detail. 
you can see why the chronicler thought one such account was enough. That, friend, is what you call zeal striking at the foundations of corruption. Gone, too, were the mediums and spiritists. And throughout all the land of his influence, Josiah removes every trace of smorgasgod worship, down to the tiniest carved household idol. Second Kings 23:24. All of this remarkable and exemplary reform calls for thorough processing and application to your life, for which we really don't have enough time this episode. So let's kick the can into next week and cover everything that Josiah's done that you can be doing as well as you walk together with him and us on the way next time. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to support us, spread the word. Give us a review on iTunes or Facebook. Then share a link to episode one with your friends. We hope our time together today has reminded you that you, friend, are part of an epic story that is still unfolding today. So keep walking on the way. Be good to yourself.